So we're moving into a discipline that um, is a little bit different, I think, from some of the others. And I want to start with Richard Foster's quote on, on the discipline of guidance. He says this, In our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe, waiting for the emergence of a spirit-led, spirit-intoxicated, spirit-empowered people. Hear that again. In our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe waiting for the emergence of a spirit-led, spirit-intoxicated, spirit-empowered people. All of creation watches expectantly for the springing up of a disciplined, freely gathered martyr people who know in this life the life and power of the kingdom of God. It has happened before. It can happen again. Spirit-powered people. Do you believe that? All of creation is waiting for people to grab hold of this power that we have through the Holy Spirit, the creator of everything in us, created the galaxies, created the earth. Is there anything he cannot do? That is not a rhetorical question. Is there anything he cannot do? <laughs> Amen. There is nothing that God cannot do. He can do anything and everything. Are you, am I, are we that people? If, if the people around us looked at our life, would they go spirit-empowered, spirit-led, infused with the Holy Spirit, working through them in, in their lives? Would they look at us? Would our coworkers and our friends and our schoolmates and, and all of those in our life, would our family look at us and see Jesus Christ living through us? Would they see that? What would they say? When they look at how we handle the circumstances of life, when we handle the, ad, the, the stuff that comes up that that challenges us, those difficult, struggle, tough times. Or maybe it's how do we handle success and joy? When they look at us, what do they see? What does it show them about the God that we profess to worship, that we profess to follow? A sermon on the spiritual discipline of guidance is a complete waste of time if we don't believe this is true, that this is possible. All of creation watches expectantly for the springing up of a martyr people, a people of Christ, a people of God, freely gathered, empowered by the Holy Spirit, disciplined in, in their walk, following Christ as close as they can. People who know in this life the life and power of the kingdom of God. When does our eternity start? Does it start when we die or does it start when we say yes to Jesus? Does your life reflect that? You have eternity in front of you. What are we doing? Are we living into the eternity or are we worried about this place? I will tell you that I spend way too much time worrying about this place. 
I have eternity. This is this, right? Remember the rope that we strung all around this room that one day? Yeah, we strung rope all over the place to signify eternity. It was on people's heads. It was wrapped around them. We didn't kill anybody. It was great. Um, <laughs> and at the end of that, I had marked off like this much with tape, with colored tape, because this is now. This is this life. The rest of that is eternity. And our focus tends to be completely on what if our focus became eternal? What if the power of God lit us up, lit us up in such a way that people would see Christ in us? Yes, God guides us individually at times. Absolutely, we need to study and we need to do those things. Our primary method and, and modality of, of the, in the discipline of guidance is corporate. It's, uh, that means us. That means people together. It's not me traveling my road and you traveling your road. It's us traveling the road. We're on the journey together towards the cross, towards our eternity, towards God. And to walk freely into that together, arm in arm, we belong to one another. See, God doesn't rely just upon the, the, the individuals he, uh, to, to accomplish the work of God, uh, the kingdom work in this world. He, he relies on us together to manage that, to pull that off. So on this Palm Sunday, when we're reminded of Jesus entering into the city of, of Jerusalem to acclaim and hoopla, right? Hosanna! Hosanna! They were excited. Okay, you know, you can be excited this morning because they were, Hosanna! No, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We've been waiting for you forever, and you're here. Hosanna! Save us, Lord! Save us! Finally! I like to look at the disciples walking alongside. They're probably going, man, this is all right. I'm with him. But you know what we don't see in that moment? Three years that they traveled together. Three years. Peter stepped out of a boat onto water, started to sink, and what did Jesus do? Saved him. Lord, save us. We didn't get to see, and we don't even have, all of those moments with the teacher that the 12 had. We don't see the guidance, the corporate guidance Jesus gave to his disciples. We don't see all that in that moment going into Jerusalem. This gift of guidance was going on from the time of Jesus' ministry, and, and it's a gift for us that we can grab hold of today. See, oftentimes in, in our current world, we reduce the, our journey into an individualistic thing. I, my personal Lord and Savior, right? And He is, but He's more than that. He's our Master and Teacher and Lord us together as the body of Christ. When we reduce it to an individualistic journey, we oftentimes can 
set aside the need to be involved with others. We make that optional. And it's headed that way more and more. There's less and less folks that are coming together in the name of Jesus on Sundays or any other day. See, the church isn't something that we do on Sunday morning. We come together as the body of believers, but we're the church everywhere we go. We're the church everywhere we go. It's how we're designed. It's how we're made. And it's how Jesus started the church. We're supposed to journey together. Our passage today is a familiar one. It's out of Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I want to catch a word in there, offer. Offer denotes that we have a choice in this matter. I want to urge you. Paul said, <laughs> I, I think this is a really good idea for you to do this, but it's up to you whether you freely give yourself in faith to follow in Christ. It's up to you. It's up to me. It's a, are we going to offer ourselves? God's never going to force us to do it. He draws us. My favorite word is a Ric Flair word. Is woo! You know, he woos us. Where's Blake? Give me a woo. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> he draws us to him. But it's up to us. He urges us to offer our bodies. And then it, and it goes on. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. world. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. See, the pattern of the world is different from the pattern of the church. The pattern of the world is about me, and it's about individualism. It's about pulling myself up by my bootstraps. It's about materialism. It's about focus on me, and, and on it's a self-focused, and the, and the pattern of, the, uh, of, of, of our journey with Christ is very different from that. It's found in washing the disciples' feet. That's different. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be Transform by the renewing of your mind. You remember that word? This is like my first sermon ever here. Metamorphosis. <laughs> that metamorphosis that happens when, when we engage and embrace who we, who we can be. Transformed. But it's by the renewing of our mind, which would seem to suggest that there's something that needs to happen in our mind, that it needs some renewing that the way that we think before we come to know Jesus is probably going to need to change as we encounter the living God, which is good news because when you encounter the living God, you cannot help but change. But we also need to focus on that in our journey to be renewed, to be made new, to think differently than we used to think is an easy way to think about that. So do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then, what does that infer? If, if you do these things, then you will experience this. You've been looking for God's will? Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is, 
We pray for God's will a lot. If we do these things, however, then you will know what God's will is in your life. One aspect of that is to be in community, to be a community of faith, to be the family of God, to live on humble understanding that none of us is is better than another, that we are on equal footing. No matter, I stand up here, but I am certainly not better than any other person in this room. Whether you stand up here or you don't, whatever you do, a lot of folks love being behind the scenes. I can't tell you who that is because they don't want me to. They don't. It's like, I'll do whatever, but I am not looking for any notice. We have a role. We each have a role to play in the rest of our passage this morning. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. Each member belongs to the other. It's a powerful thought that we're all necessary if the body is going to function correctly. We're going to do a series on gifts, uh, you know, coming up. And and we're going to talk some about this, this, the way that, that the body of Christ is supposed to work. You know? If you're an eye and I'm a hand and you don't show up, I can't see. Right? If Mike's a leg and Eric is an arm, then you tilt. But you, you get it? I mean, if the ear's not part of the body, if, if, if the ear hasn't engaged and it's not showing up and not participating, then we can't hear effectively. We've got to all be a part of what God is doing if we're going to walk into the place he would have us to be as a community of faith. It's us together. Jesus didn't ask Peter not to be impulsive. Did you notice that? You know Peter. Peter's is the he gets out of the boat. He, he, he you know, I'm going to wash your feet. What's Peter's response? Oh, no, you can't wash my feet. Well, then you have no part with me. Well, well, then dump the whole thing on my head and wash my hands and my ears and my toes. And, you know, that's Peter. Oh, everybody will deny you, but I, Peter, I will not deny you. Three times in the morning. Jesus didn't say, Peter, I need you to not be impulsive. He didn't do it. He didn't say that. that you don't see anything in Scripture where Jesus said, okay, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you if you will change. See, Peter's impulsivity is a good thing. Once, that Je- once Jesus restored him, he was able to become the rock. See, Peter knew, Peter was willing to embrace the impossible. He had more faith than sense. <laughs> he didn't know that he couldn't do the things that he was doing. Think, put yourself in the boat. How many disciples got out of the boat? One. Peter has more faith than sense. You know, in the church, sometimes we need it. We need more faith. <laughs> Then sense, we think, it. oh, well, how's it all going to work? I don't know. God is God. Let's follow him and see what he'll do. 
<laughs> That'd probably work out better. You know, I can't figure it all out. He's smarter than me. I've tried. Turns out I'm not nearly as smart as I thought I was. Paul. Paul was zealous. Paul was pursuing the Christians. He, they, you, they're blaspheming against the Jewish faith, so I'm after them. He was killing them. He was chasing them down at Stephen's martyrdom, you know, throw the stones, all of that. That's who Paul was. And Paul's going to Damascus. What for? To get the dang Christians because they're blaspheming and then they're not going to end it. And, and what happens? Well, it might not have been that, but it was something like that. There's this moment, this flash. He's blinded. And he's like, oh, what? wait, what? That's scripture. Wait, what? <laughs> who is it? It's Jesus who you're persecuting. And if you'll quit being a zealot and you'll quit being zealous, I can use you. No! He used his zealous nature to send him all over Asia planting churches because he was zealous. You don't have to not be who you are. Be you for him. In the body are many different members, and each of us is important as the other. We belong. Such a big word. We're not good at this. We're going to have lunch. I hope that you stay after we, we have a tendency to come to church instead of be the church. And we need to learn how to belong to one another and how to be a part of each other's lives. It's hard. This is hard work. But God will use us as the corporate body of Christ to guide the individual members of the body of Christ. He w- did you hear that? The corporate body of Christ to guide the individual members of the body of Christ. We're all necessary. Acts chapter 4, after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken. Gosh, I wish this would happen in this place. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were of one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold it, bought the money, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. The early church was united in all that they did to spread the gospel they'd been given. They'd been given this gospel, and, and they didn't know what to do with it other than to proclaim it. So they were in the streets, and they were proclaiming, but there were the disciples who were, who were leading them, but th- the, com- the community was making decisions. And, and it's really hard for us in the American church to wrap our minds around doing things that way because it's antithetical to who we are in this country, and it's a hard thing for us to even think in terms of being that kind of community. But that's what the early church was. And, and that community sought to proclaim the gospel. And we can do that part for sure. We can wrestle with the rest and grow closer to him, but we can at least proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that has happened in America, I think, is that we as individuals have, have kind of lost our way with the sense of the urgency of what it means to be a believer. It was life and death for the early church. And it's life and death in the Middle East, and it's life and death in places around the country or around the world. 
But in America, it's rarely life and death. So we're able to put individual here and community here because we take care of ourselves. It's what we do. I mean, that's American. There are some exceptions to that. Firemen, police officers, uh, people who are involved in life and death all the time. Now, they're still individuals. But I would say their community is a whole lot closer. Something goes, goes on in that community, then they will set aside their individualism to be a part of that community. And we've lost that in the, in the church. We've lost it for the most part. There aren't, aren't a whole lot of churches out there that are that type, that same kind of type. But that's what we're called to. We belong to one another. We are to walk together in this. Our United Methodist heritage is steeped in this discipline of corporate guidance. John and Charles Wesley, we hear a lot about John Wesley. John did a, a lot of the church planting. Charles did a lot of the hymn writing. But they were both involved in the organization of Methodism. They started in small groups. And, and they called them bands. And, and they grew this denomination in that way. And a defining characteristic for us is our structure. Now, it's also <laughs> one of the most difficult things for us is our structure um, because it can sometimes seem like it's nothing but red tape. Um, but it's built on the idea and fueled by this idea of, of corporate guidance. That's why we're the local church in the Methodist denomination. Local churches have a lot of autonomy. We can make decisions on our own, but we're responsible to the district. We're part of the Gainesville district that has 95 or 96 churches. And we're part of a connectional group that has 12 um, that are just around us. And above that is, a, is the annual conference that I go to in June that's, you know, all of the churches in North Georgia. And then there's a jurisdictional level of the Southeast and then a general conference, which is worldwide. So we have this structure and the hope of that structure is that, as that, that we will have a corporate sense of guidance, that, that we are under, uh, we're not just doing it on our own, but, but there's a sense of guidance from above that, that, that allows us to function. It's called being connectional. You'll hear that a lot in Methodist church circles, that we're connectional. It means that we're connected to one another. It's why apportionments, the reason that we're able to get grants is because other churches have paid their apportionments and, they, and that helps support us. And we want to participate with that as well in the giving back. Um, that's what apportionments help us to do. At the higher levels, we're also in a, a turmoil right now over uh, human sexuality, over LGBTQIA plus stuff. And because and there's a lot going on, has the potential to divide us. And so there's a commission for a way forward that's been meeting, um, which is a group of people trying to find a path for us to kind of corporately um, cover, you know, corporately stay together without having to split. Um, and then there's going to be a special called General Conference in 2019. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on that because the simple truth is that right now there's nothing really to report other than the way forward is meeting, and they're going to have that general conference. It's Usually we have them every four years. This one's going to be early and only deal with that issue. And once that happens, we'll have a better idea of where the denomination is going to go. Um, but the, the hope and the prayer is that corporately we're going to find the will of God. And so that's what, that's what 
all of that. We want God, and please pray for God to break through because we've got camps that are um, hateful and that's not Jesus. And we need the hatefulness to go away so that Jesus can work in the midst of it. But pray, 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 pray for us as a denomination. See, the spiritual discipline of guidance is not easy to attain because there's so much that gets in the way of, of, uh, of, of moving together, moving forward into, together into a new place. It's hard because we need to not conform and we need to, to try to find a path. See, we need to understand God's will for our lives. And in order to do that, we've got work to do as well, both individually and corporately. So how does that look in the church? So how does that look in the church? It looks very much like it did in the beginning. Jesus mentored 12 men, individually and together. And then those 11 of those men went on, and you know what they did? They mentored individuals and they mentored that group corporately the early church and what happened from there is that that group of people then began to mentor individually and come together as the church and it has always been this way this is how the church has operated it's it's all stemming from the original pattern that jesus held and that's what we are seeking to follow here as we continue in our small group ministries and the things that we're doing we're in it together. We're in it together. I hope we don't forget that. Chuck Swindoll, he wrote this. He said, I found great satisfaction in knowing that the Lord had given me certain abilities and my responsibility was to carry them out through his power and for his glory. Let me repeat that last part. My responsibility was to carry them out through his power for his glory. The statement that we summarize around here is be you for him. You know, God has always used the people of the church to accomplish amazing things, things that we are incapable of individually. God will do through us together. But he doesn't need Caden to be me or me to be Tammy or Libby to be Albert or any of that. He needs us to be who we are so that he can be glorified. You are sons and daughters of the king. You are sons and daughters of the king. You're amazingly made, incredibly made. And on this Palm Sunday, as we remember Jesus entering into Jerusalem, I hope that we'll embrace the idea that God created us to be and live that out in this community known as Arbor Point Church. That we'll live that out fully, that we'll walk into that. I pray that you commit to belong to one another to be involved in one another's lives. Let me put it that way. That we're willing to do that. I, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, may we belong to one another. I would love for us in this place to be able to shout, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest, Carol! Hosanna! Hosanna. Hosanna. In the <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Patty Moore. Hosanna, Katie. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Please stand.